This episode of Energy Sense is brought to you by IHS Markets Financial and Capital Markets Energy Advisory Group. Our team of experts provides the investment community with actionable insight and integrated thought leadership that identify the trends and trend makers of global energy markets. Solutions cover the full energy and natural resources sector, from traditional fossil fuels to emerging clean tech ideas and supply chains, and are available via recurring reports, webinars, robust data sets, and personal engagements with experts. All right. Welcome back to Energy Sense, an IHS market podcast that discusses all things on the intersection of energy and finance. This is your host, Hill Vaden, and I am here today with Paula Perez-Pena to talk about carbon capture, utilization, and sequestration, or CCUS. Paula, how are you doing? Hi, Hill. I'm good. What about you? I'm all right. I'm, uh, uh, I guess we were just talking that, that you just went and grabbed a uh, what looks to be a sweater uh, sitting in Houston in, in the middle of summer. Uh, so, so I uh, applaud your uh, ability to, to to withstand the heat better than I sit, sitting here in a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, as I said, that depends on you know who you live with and what type of <laughs> uh, you know temperatures you're used to. Definitely not a seventy person, seventy degree person here. I like the hot weather, so need my jacket here at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. Uh, you, you're definitely in the right place for for hot weather. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so you and I have been trading uh, e- emails and communication for several months now uh, about uh, CCUS or car- carbon capture utilization sequestration, um, and, and I'm glad we're finally able to, to to get a podcast on this. This is one of the, I suppose, one of the more interesting and and, and talked about topics as uh, decarbonization becomes more and more of a consistent theme within energy and you know i guess one of the i guess there are a lot of interesting things that 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 i want to talk about today and you know one of them being that the carbon capture and sequestration has been around technologically speaking the idea for for a very long time but it hasn't scaled to the degree that that i think many uh i suppose need it to 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 really meet a lot of our net zero ambition but before we get into some of the 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 details of kind of the, the the business and where we are can we start with some maybe elementary discussion, elementary for, for me, I suppose, in terms of we've got nature-based solutions, we've got technology-based solutions, we've got capture, utilization, sequestration. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, so, so maybe if you could help us understand, you know, how to view nature-based solutions versus the technology-based solutions before we get into some of the detail. Yeah, yeah, of course, Phil. I think that's, that's a great way to start this conversation and... Um... Let me start just kind of like unraveling a little bit of what this the world of uh, carbon capture covers and sequestration as well. So um, when we talk about carbon capture and sequestration, we tend, tend to think of just one type of solution. However, there is more than one solution available to capture and sequester CO2. In fact, as, as you mentioned, you know, we can classify the carbon sequestration into two uh, main groups, one being the nature-based solutions and the other one being the technology-based solutions. Nature-based solutions enhance natural processes to remove carbon from the atmosphere. So these solutions include things like, um, you, and you might heard of this, planting trees, mm-hmm. also uh, you know some other more complex solutions like soil carbon sequestration or biochar or, or even uh, using the ocean as a sink. 
So uh, there is a lot of uh, nature-based solutions out there, and but we need to keep in mind that these these nature-based solutions are used as offsets, meaning that the projects that that use these type of solutions will compensate their emissions that are occurring somewhere else. And so, how if, if we're thinking about some of the nature-based, I mean, is tree planting is easy for me to see and understand. Is is that the most common relative to some of the other examples you gave? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's the most common, and, and that's what I you know like to bring it. Of course, like you know, I'm being very simplistic here, but you know, there is a lot of studies around where you know to plant trees, uh, how this is going to affect the different ecosystems. So. So yeah, the, the answer is is the most common because it's something that we know. Uh, there is a lot of expertise on that, and it's also uh, very low cost compared to you know other solutions out there. So this this is why it's quite popular these days to use planting trees as a you know as an offset. Well, and aesthetically, I think there's a lot of value in that as well. And, and you may have seen it. There was an article in the uh, New York Times this weekend looking at different temperatures in different neighborhoods in, in New York. And those with a lot of tree cover are, you know, may, may make up numbers, but, but 10 or 15 degrees cooler in, in the peak summer than those where the trees have been torn down. Right. Um, and, and us sitting here in Houston, I mean, you, you can you know run into Memorial Park and, and it's that much cooler. Some of that's just the shade of the trees. Right. But but there's some sort of, uh, you know, I suppose, cooling process within the tree. Right. Um, right. So I can see there's a lot of value in that. How, how many trees does one, you know, are we thinking trees in a small yard or are we thinking planting big forests to have any sort of noticeable impact on emissions? Right. So, and that, that's the, the, I will say, tricky part. We are thinking of or, or, or talking about planting forests, right? Growing mm-hmm. forests. So we're talking about big, uh, large scale type of um, solutions, right? So when you look at the uh, the micro level of, of these, these solutions, then you're right. Like, you know, there is there are areas that used to have trees that don't have trees anymore. And we should, you know, go back to that. And that will improve the ecosystem. It will improve, improve the whole um, dynamic, right? As you are capturing CO2, you're also bringing back the ecosystem that was there before and is not there anymore. So that seems like natural trend and something we should do. Um, but when we're talking about large-scale deployment, we're talking about you know creating or focusing on huge forests that again could have uh, impact on, on some ecosystem. So here what I'm saying is like, you know, these solutions are something that corp- corporations are focusing on because the low cost and the easy weight of deployment, uh, but also every every stream is not good, right? So we focus completely all our attention and investment into that. We're gonna have, uh, we're not gonna have enough land. We're gonna create land competition with some food mm-hmm. crops, right? And we're gonna start planting trees in, in ecosystems that are not meant to to have trees, right? So we have, it, this is a limited solution and it's good, right? We have to keep it as part of the decarbonization strategy, but we should not put all our eggs into that type of solutions. And that's what nature-based solutions are a li- little bit limited in, in that regards. Are there kind of practical concerns? I mean, we, we look right now in the, in the American West and, and there's forest fires. If, if I 
planted a forest to offset my carbon emissions and, and that forest burned down, am I on the hook for the credits that I may have previously enjoyed as a result of my tree planting? Or is, is there any sort of accountability or, or once that tree ha has been planted, is there a timeline on, on how long it takes to have a noticeable impact on my emissions credit? So that's a great question. There is a lot of uncertainty around that. And there is a lot of uncertainty because you know, we haven't used this mechanism for a long time. So, so far, if we're talking about permanence, this is what you just mm -hmm. mentioned. There is a lot of external factors that would affect that CO2 being sequestered in this type of solutions. Like you said, like a, a wildfire that will release all the CO2 that was captured. And the question is, okay, so how are we going to account for that? what's going to happen with the, the company or uh, institution that invested invested into that forest. So those are a lot of questions that are still being uh, discussed. And uh, the, 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 the answer is like a lot of people don't know how to treat this type of things. Like if we see it from the permanence point of view that these solutions are most likely not going to give me a long-term solution because there is a lot of external factors affecting this. So from this sequest, the, the permanence part, there is a lot right. of uncertainty, right? From the accounting part, as you mentioned, uh, there is also a lot of uh, uncertainty. There is a lot of conversations right now that experts are having on how to account for this type of offsets. And there is not an agreement yet towards this. So it's, it's in a way a little bit uh, worrying for me that, you know, there is a lot of investment and a lot of companies getting into uh, these type of solutions, but we don't know yet how much of these solutions will be um, important or relevant in the long term, right? This right. is something that we'll see short term, and I see I, I see it as a as a as a good way to start making action. But in the long term, is this the right solution? And that's the question that you know we're trying to answer. That that's why. When we talk about technology-based solutions, we have a way to monitor the solution, the, the the CO2 being sequestered easier. We know a little bit how long the the, the CO2 could be a storage if we inject it into a geological formation. So there is more certainty around this type of solutions versus the nature-based solutions. Nature-based are highly uncertain at the moment. They are low low cost and it's implementation, but there is there is a trade-off there, and I think companies should be aware of that. So the nature of it, it sounds like there's a lot of attraction to that low cost piece, but but the permanence concerns, you know, I, I guess ding it relative to some of the technology-based solutions. So, so if you're looking at technology-based solutions, what are the you know aside from what I assume is um, some winning aspects on the permanence? What what are the hurdles? Is it all? Is it technology or is it economics or a combination of both? Is uh, is mainly economics. I mean, we have we have the technology. The technology is mature. Um, we we've been using it for many years, so we understand the technology. We understand how to separate CO two from other gas stream. I think the the the, the big I'll say challenge is the economics. So we need to have the right incentives for this projects to be attractive and that is through policy okay. so that that's that's kind of like the, the the main challenge right now for this type of projects and if we're looking at the the, the c 
the U and the S, the, the, the capture, the utilization, the sequestration is one of those, um, I guess, easier to manage than the other in, in terms of some of the policy and some of the hurdles, but to make this more economic and more of a business? Well, that, that's, that's a complex question because that, <laughs> that depends on geography or, or, or markets, right? So when we're talking about carbon capture and utilization, right, we're, we're, we're talking about how to reuse or, um, or utilize the CO2. So, you know, in a way you will think, okay, if I'm reusing or utilizing the CO2, it's better for the economics. And, and you're right, like, if you're, you're reusing or utilizing the CO2, you're either selling it to somebody or using it to produce something else. That's what CCU, uh, carbon capture utilization, has been the most common type of project in the past 20 years. Uh, we've been having projects that utilize um, CO2 for either the oil, oil production, uh, mm -hmm. but also for food and beverage, as well as fertilizers. So uh, there's been, you know, like more of a focus on that area because the economics in a way are better. The issue is that the amount of industries that utilize CO2 are limited. And we're talking about this technology to be a large scale technology to decarbonize uh, some industrial sectors. So we're looking into that as a, as a approach and focus going forward then the carbon capture and sequestration becomes more relevant. And that's actually what we've seen, you know, where we actually can take the CO2 and storage or inject it in a geological formation. Now, the, the issue there is where you're not monetizing the CO2, right? And where, so if we're looking at the uh, CO2 monetization, is the oil industry the, the, the biggest, uh, I guess, market share of that? I, you mentioned food and beverage also. I mean. Uh, is one you know several times larger than the others um or is it are all fairly small uh well like they're all fairly small they're like we don't have a lot of projects in fact you know like if we are looking at operating projects it's around uh large scale it's around 21 projects so it's you know there we don't have a lot of projects but if we look at it from the short point of view most of the 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 share market is from oil and gas uh, companies using CO2 for enhanced oil recovery. So that's that's been the path of this industry. Now with the you know the net zero targets and the aggressive climate goals from different companies and countries, we've noticed that that is uh, changing. So we're the industry is actually moving away from the traditional um, oil and gas utilization business model to looking into uh, sequestration and looking at, you know, other type of industries like hydrogen. Hydrogen mm -hmm. is going to be, you know, driven mainly by the blue hydrogen focus, which, which includes CC, CCS. Uh, we also look at uh, some industrial, um, industrial sectors, right? We're looking at a lot at um, steel, looking into outdoor cement, power generation as well, especially in the U.S. So we've seen a, a move away from the traditional, you know, enhanced oil recovery and oil and gas focus to more towards more of like diversified sectors. And that's that's quite interesting because it seems like CCO will be driving other type of uh, industries to the, the be decarbonized. Well, yeah, it seems like the I mean. 
more and more conversations are you know happening around hydrogen and it seems hydrogen and CCS are two sides of the same coin that that one is contingent on the other to, to make each kind of a viable I suppose viable business is that an appropriate way to look at it or, or does CCS or CCUS have a lot of running room on its own without hydrogen uh well I'll say um it's partially partially true. I mean, one of the main drivers right now for CCUS projects is hydrogen. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like it goes hand in hand, especially um, in Europe, right? But uh, I think what is unique about CCUS is the the ability of um, decarbonize also hard to abate industries. So like things like as I mentioned before, steel or cement. Those we see it also coming as a potential growth market for these, um, these, these solutions. The issue with this is like, again, we need policy incentives, right? And right now what is working for, for the industry is being related to hydrogen in Europe. So that's where you see a big uh, driver there. In, in the US, you've seen a little bit more on the power generation side, okay. uh, but that's very niche, very small. So I wouldn't say that's gonna be a trend, right? Um, the other thing that is interesting is the, the hubs you might have heard of. Those hubs are mixing multiple industrial plants. And the idea is that, you know, we'll be able to bring CCUS as a solution to multiple sectors, not only, you know, hydrogen, but all sectors that by itself could be expensive. But once they are in a hub with share in transportation and storage, it make it easier and more accessible for different so is industries. That, so, so I'm not familiar with this. What, can, can you explain a little bit more about the hub? I mean, is this like a bunch of industrial kind of facilities sharing the same footprint, or, or how do you how do you mean the, the hub process here? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's a great question. So when we're talking about hubs, we're talking about um, a project that shares infrastructure either transportation or it shares is storage. Either the same geological formation for multiple industries. So the way this is going to work is you will have multiple uh, emitters that will be capturing their CO2, but they will use share infrastructure and share storage to keep the CO2 sequestered. So that will create, you know, that will reduce reduce some cost. Uh, we'll have some economies of scale mm -hmm. that could be, uh, you know, that could improve the economics for the specific uh, emitters that, you know, before you will have to use. If you were a single emitter, you will have to do your capture, but also focus on transportation and storage. Now, in a way, you can uh, share that cost with with other emitters. Near. And where where are these hubs? happening or are they happening in certain states or, or certain countries so the hubs are happening are happening all over um europe is one of the the main leaders on this 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 type of business model especially the uk they got a lot of uh funding from the 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 uk government to start putting together this hub so we'll see there are multiples multiple hubs in the uk being developed and they're kind of taking the lead. We have also one very um, well known in Norway, the Northern Lights. Okay, sure, yeah. That's also VUC. That's also the government also put uh, funding towards that. So a lot of the governments have uh, been 
backing up these initiatives and that's what they're moving uh, and making progress. So definitely Europe is, is leading this type of uh, projects, but then we have uh, one also, or we have actually multiples here in, in, in the US and Canada. Canada has a small one uh, that is operating right now, and it has two facilities that share transportation and storage. So, but it, they, they have those two facilities. So it's, I'll say in a way, it's a small one compared to the ones in Europe. In the US, we have a lot of uh, hubs being investigated and, and, and trying to understand how the the whole system will work. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm pretty sure you're aware of the uh, announcement that Exxon did on a few months ago on um, focusing the hub for the Gulf Coast as well. So, so there is a lot of interest on this type of business models. It seems that it's gonna it's gonna bring costs down, and it could be a way to bring more emitters into this type of solutions. It's just again uh, in 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 Europe we saw a lot of government support to mm -hmm. make this happen. And the question is like, what's going to happen here in the US and in other regions to make these uh, hubs happen going forward? And the, is the UK, Norway example, or are they kind of the, the furthest along and the one that we should watch as potential blueprint that, that other parts of the world can copy? Yeah, uh, I'll say yes, uh, especially because they, they are involving a lot of emitters. So. Canada is one example. Um, is 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 a small project that is working and is successful example. So it's something that we can look into. But the interesting part of um the the European projects is that they involve multiple emitters. So we're talking about four or five, and they're looking at different ways to transport CO two not only through pipelines but also using ships or like uh, shipping. So okay. is they're they're looking about different different business models, and I think we should definitely keep an eye on those. So you, you mentioned shipping. What are some of the other industries participating in the hub concept out there? Well, we have it. It, it depends on on the the hub. So there are multiples, right? Okay. So we're talking about like industries like power generation, right? Uh, chemicals uh, production, even cement waste to energy facilities so they are what they're looking the way it's working in the uk is they identify uh what they call a cluster of industrial emitters so multiple facilities that have high uh, emissions levels mm -hmm. and they try to you know develop the infrastructure to transport in the co2 and storage the co2 so <clears throat> there are multiple there are multiple players there, and it, it, it varies by by hub or by industrial cluster. And is in, in terms of proximity, if we're looking at where, where these hubs are, are going to be most uh, you know, potentially successful, are there some obvious regions or areas where the geology is most conducive and the industry exists nearby, or, or are the industries looking at the geology and, and, and relocating or, or resiting in order to be close to that geology or does transportation alleviate any of that proximity concern? Yeah, so the the proximity concern is 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 a big question and, and a big topic. Right mm -hmm. now, you know, like you will like to have your your emitters close to your storage because it's gonna be cheaper, right? Less transportation, which means lower cost. 
So in Europe, the way these these hubs develop is they focus on an area that has proximity to a storage, or it has also infrastructure that can they can reuse. That that's the case of Acorn. There is one of the the hubs there where they are actually planning to reuse some of the infrastructure that was previously used for oil and gas. So they're planning to reuse infrastructure. They're ready um have a proximity to a storage or ge geological formation or storage uh, site. So they are going backwards in a way that they already have the storage and the infrastructure. They start bringing the emitters that could participate in this type of project. So at the moment, I think is is focusing on proximity. And at the moment, we're very limited because we don't have a lot of information on geological formations around the globe. We only know the formations that have been used for oil and gas exploration and production. Right. So as we get more information about the geology of other type of uh, reservoirs, we might have more flexibility on allocating emitters to different storage. So um, that, that that's you know that's I think is going to be quite relevant to get this information and to understand better where we can storage more of the CO2. And are you coming, or are you seeing more uh, accommodative uh, government policy um, in those kind of legacy oil and gas hotspots in terms of incentivizing the CCUS business models to, uh, I guess, evolve or define themselves? I think, as I mentioned before, these these type of projects are also are all getting uh, either funding or some sort of incentive from the government because a big part of the cost comes from the capture side rather than okay. from the storage or the transportations. They are big um, capital investments, right? Mm -hmm. But once they're there, you need to look at the capture side in some of these industries like for power generation, the capturing or and separating the CO2 from the gas stream is, is quite expensive. So the project, the whole project, and, and the players need to have some sort of incentive from the government to make it happen. So that's what is relevant. When you're looking outside of the, uh, I guess, the government space and into more of the corporate space, or you see, have we seen an emergence of leaders in terms of who's creating, uh, you know, some IP around the capture side of it? Well, there are some traditional companies working on 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 that, but. I wouldn't say there is a you know clear leader on this market. There, as I mentioned before, the, the technology has been around for multiple years, so there is a lot of companies with expertise of separating CO2 from our gas streams. Mm -hmm. So right now, it, I think the the projects that are operating, they're just like uh, they've been using different uh, technology developers, and there's not like a clear leader at the moment. One thing I, I've noticed is there is a lot of startups working in like more efficient ways or, 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 or solvents to separate the CO2 from, from gas streams. So that's what we've seen. There is, there is, the market is quite fragmented and I think there is still a lot of room for efficiency gains and, and, and the next generation technology. So maybe if we have a next generation technology, we might see some leaders there, but at the moment it's very fragmented. And so if we're looking forward, I mean, we've said a couple of times on this that the technology has been around 
for a while. What are the catalysts that, that we're watching for, for when things kind of convert from, say, the old world to a, a new world where this becomes uh, more of a scalable and I suppose in many ways money-making business that, that allows for more investment? I mean, and, and when I'm looking at this from you know, I, I guess some proximity, but but not as close as someone like you. This seems to be like the holy grail that, that if we're going to meet these net zero targets, we got to get this carbon capture and sequestration side kind of figured out in a way that is truly scalable to address the emissions that otherwise, you know, I'm not sure how get addressed. Right, right. Um, so I think there are a couple of things here where you mentioned. The first, I'm um, talking about like, you know, what are some of these accelerators or factors that could take the industry to the next level? Well, one of them is, is the economics. I mean, there is just as uh, simple as that. We need we need the right incentives for the economics to be attractive. And, you know, that's through policy. So that's that's number one. Um, if we don't have that, I don't think we're not going to be moving you know ahead with this industry. And that is, that's a little bit of uncertainty around the industry as well we just need the policy the right policy then we need um innovation you know there is as i mentioned before there is the the technology is already there and is mature but we need next generation technology so if if economics is still a a big uh, challenge then let's start looking into other technologies that could bring cost downs and could be more efficient so that's that's another thing that um, I think a lot of companies are working towards, and we could see maybe some um, good progress on this, and they could help us move ahead in the industry. Um, then also all the infrastructure, right? Uh, having any support from the government side or corporations getting together and and developing the infrastructure that we need for these projects uh, will be very helpful. So having that infrastructure there will also facilitate some of these projects as well. And just having a clear regulatory framework for operating projects uh, right now for the upcoming projects. So um, that will definitely, you know, like uh, bring some of, answer some of the questions and bring more, I'll say, bring the investors that confidence that they need um, Mm -hmm. so they can, you know, fill in a way, safe that these projects at least are, they know what to expect from them in a way. And, and on the infrastructure side of things, are, is there opportunity to repurpose much of the legacy infrastructure that might be used for transportation of other forms of energy? Uh, we, yes, yes and no. <laughs> that, that depends on case by case because mm-hmm. the infrastructure and the pipelines that we build for oil and gas have different specifications they are they face different type of environments so some of them can be like uh in the uk as i said there is this hub or this project called acorn uh-huh. they are using that and they are being able to reduce the economics quite a bit because they're just they don't need to invest in the infrastructure infrastructure they're reusing that one so there is there's opportunities there and i think you know like identifying those could be the first step in some of these projects to make the economics more more attractive and if we're thinking you know on kind of a a future timeline i mean where ccus seems to be kind of I guess, in a sense, right at the edge of scaling or, you know, having more of an impact in the future than it has over the past, say, 10 years or so. 
are you expecting us to, to get to that edge within the next year, week, 10 years? I mean, <laughs> how should we be looking at it in terms of a noticeable impact on our net zero ambition? Yeah, well, I wish it was next year. Uh, <laughs> no, so, okay, so this is the thing. CCOS is going to be just one of the technologies that is going to help with the decarbonization strategy, right? So CCUS will be contributing to that, but it's not going to be one of the leading players because there is other technologies that are uh, moving faster, that are economically make more sense, like renewables, like, you know, sometimes even uh, efficiency um, gains, things mm -hmm. like that. So CCOS will, will grow and will be part of the decarbonization, but it's going to be um, mainly focusing on specific technologies that are hard to decarbonize. So just keep that in mind that that will be kind of like the, the focus of this type of technology of that's what we see it. So with that in mind, although there is a small portion of the, the, the big emissions pie, we still need to grow the industry quite a bit. We're talking about, you know, doubling the industry every five years if we want to meet the net zero emissions from the hard to decarbonize sectors, right? So which is right. a, a, a small part. Now, based on the current project announcements, we've seen that you know, in, in the next five years, we could be on track to develop the emission reductions that are expected from CCUS. And, you know, going forward, we could continue with that trend. We'll need to double the industry every five years to meet what is expected from the industry. So far, it seems promising. Again, there is a lot of uh, announced projects that are in early stage of development that they are waiting for uh, a more formal policy um, a structure, especially in, in, in Europe and also in, in the U.S. So we've seen governments moving towards supporting the industry. The question is how fast this is going to happen and if it's going to be enough for investors to be uh, interested in putting the money there, right? Um, yeah. And um, we'll see in the long term if that's going to happen. We're, we're um, optimistic just because the, the our short-term view seems that we're growing at, we, we're close to be growing at the, the rate that we need to. But right now there is still a, a lot of dependency on, on the policy and until that's established and well-defined by the governments, we will know how fast the industry can grow in the, in the long term. So really we're thinking five to 10 years is really the, the, the space to watch for, you know, I suppose action over the next zero to five years. We'll probably see a lot of press releases. Um, I like to say press releases are cheap, um, but in <laughs> terms right. of the, like actual steel in the ground kind of projects and, and impact, we're probably looking five to 10 years contingent somewhat on policy. Uh, I assume that a lot of the investment will follow quickly if, if not lead some of that policy. Yeah, um, exactly. That's five years is going to be the next five years are going to be crucial for the industry. Okay. Well, may, maybe to wrap up, just kind of a, a perhaps a uh, an oddball question, at least for me. Um, you know, we, we we talked earlier about hydrogen and CCUS being two sides of the same coin. Uh, a coin that doesn't get a lot of attention these days is the is the coal industry that. Does CCUS, could a viable CCUS industry revitalize coal, which has you know worked its way out of power generation in favor of lower emitting fuels? But if we're able to sequester 
CO2, does that uh, breathe a second life in the coal industry? <laughs> that is that is a, a good question. Uh, so the way I see, you know, CCUS is as enabler and accelerator of the, the, the net zero targets for hard to evade industry or hard to decarbonize. So in, in, in that sense, you know, like the power generation industry does will not play like a, a driving role for, for the industry. And, you know, the reason for that is just is simple is renewables. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're looking at the economics, um, you know, it's, it's easier to, to install renewables, it's cheaper so than, than to even put a CCUS plant into a existing power generation facility. So just with, with you know, with, with that simple explanation there, I don't think that, you know, the CCUS industry will reinvigorate the, the, the coal industry at all. It will be one of those um, things that is case by case. It's going to be very niche. So in some cases, it will keep some plants running for longer. Um, that that's true. But I think those cases will depend on you know like the specifics of the project, the government support as well in, in, sure. in the location, right? But uh, you know, talking about you know the, the the big picture, it will be hard to say that is reinvigorated like the is gonna is definitely maintained is going to maintain some of the plants are running right um but it's definitely not gonna continue like um incentivize the growth of these type of plants or the the use of, of coal so those specific projects that are that make sense to include and retrofit with CCUS they they will keep it running for for longer but you know in, in and you will see this more maybe in Asia as well but you know with talk about the U.S. Um, that's just a different story and just like yeah. a lot of plants closing. So, so I mean, it's just a case by case and, and it's not reinvigorating it at all, in my opinion. So more, more project by project potential and, and, and maybe it sounds like more application potentially in developing economies rather than developed economies, which have, you know, for all intents and purposes, moved on. Right, right, exactly. And, and the way I see it is just like, you know, like, this is U.S. will be a solution that will bring re- re- reduction of emissions in a in a relative short term. But eventually, like you know, if, as we move into more sustainable solutions, we will we'll face out of that. In you know, like in the case of coal, we're probably gonna just it's gonna die at the end of the day, die out. So it's just a matter of like we're extending it when it is needed for specific mm-hmm. cases, but the idea is that we're going to replace it. Yeah, get back to where mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. once was. All right, well, this has been very helpful. I, I, uh, I've very much enjoyed the, the conversation, which, as we said, it's been several months in, in, in the working. So, so yeah. uh, it was everything I expected it to be. So, so thank you for, for, for joining, and, and I look forward to doing it again as more information comes out. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me here. It's always nice to talk about this topic. and. Looking forward for the next podcast. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Paula. Okay. Bye. To read additional insights from our team of experts, visit our blog at www.ihsmarket.com slash energy blog. You can also find our experts on social media by searching for IHS Market Energy on either Twitter or LinkedIn. Have a topic idea or want to send us feedback? Email our podcast team at energysense at ihsmarket.com. 
This podcast contains information and insights copyrighted by IHS Market. To learn more about IHS Market Energy Solutions, visit ihsmarket.com energy. That's ihsmarkit.com forward slash energy.